Well, if you brought your Bibles with you this morning, uh, turn to chapter 14, John chapter 14. And for some weeks now, we've been on this subject of seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus. Do you want to see Jesus? If you're really born again and you really know him, that's one of the greatest desires of your heart. Hmm? One thing about it, if you really have met him and you really have had some experience with him, I can tell you this without knowing you're anything about you, you want more. Because <laughs> he's just, he's the most amazing one you've ever met. He's indescribably good and wonderful. And if you're not hungry to see him and know him, then it's questionable that you've ever been born again. Are you with me now? Now that you're saved. And it's a serious business. You don't get saved by being baptized in water, shaking a preacher's hand, or putting your name on a roll. You must be born again, Jesus said. And when you're born again, you meet him. You experience him. I didn't say you saw him with your natural eyes, but you, you touch him with your spirit. He touches you. He's real to you. And uh, once you do touch him and he does touch you and he's real to you, then from then on, you want more. And that's where we're all headed. Soon and very soon, we're going to be standing before the throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seeing him without any hindrance or any blockage. And we're going to know him as we are known. Glory to God. No more through a glass darkly. But face to face. Are you looking forward to it? But the good news is. You can see more of him here and now. Right now. In John 14. And 21. Jesus said. He that has my commandments. And keeps them. He it is that loves me. And he that loves me. Shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. We're just talking about seeing him, knowing him. He just got through saying, I will manifest myself to this kind of individual. Do you want to see him? Then you got to be like this. You got to love him. Not just believe in him, but also love him. Not, not, you know, mentally assent that God exists and that Jesus Christ of Nazareth came and taught good things and they say he died on the cross. And No, no. You've got to really believe. And if you really believe him and you've touched him and he's touched you and you've been born again, you love him. Anybody in here love the Lord? Let me see. You, you're not just a mental thing. You love him. You love him. Now, if you really love him, according to him, What will you do? You will obey him. You will do what he tells you to do. Now no matter how much you say you love him. If you ignore what he says. And you disobey. You're proving you love something else. More than you love him. By doing something else. Other than obeying him. It's not enough to just say I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. If you don't do what he said. Your words are empty and meaningless. If anybody loves me. What did he say? He'll keep my commandments. That's the one that loves me. And what else did he say? If you loved him and you kept his commandments that he would do, I'll love him. And I will manifest myself to him. Glory to God. The Amplified says it like this. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. There are many on the planet to whom God is not real at all. They don't believe there is a God. And to them, they have no evidence in their understanding that there is a God. And there are other people on the planet. God is more real to them than human beings, than their own breath. He is real, real, real. Can he be more real to you? Can you initiate him being more real to you? Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. 
Many have gone a wrong way about it. I've done it in times past myself. They think, well, oh God, you know, uh, begging is going to get the job done. Uh, tremendous praying. Tremendous fasting. Oh God, show yourself to me. Oh God, I want to know you. Oh God, please reveal yourself to me. He didn't say he would reveal himself to the one that begged the hardest. That prayed the hardest. That fasted the most. That's actually easier to do than this. It's easier to beg than it is to obey. In order to do this, you're going to have to put your flesh under. You're going to have to change. You've got to change your life. It's an everyday deal. Doing what he told you to do. So quit begging and quit pleading and do what he said. And he'll reveal himself to you. Hallelujah. And he'll become more and more real to you. So we know we don't have to work on him doing his part. We need to work on us doing our part, which is keeping his words. So we began a study some months back, going through the gospel account of John, looking at everything that Jesus has said to us and seeing, are we doing it? Because we know as surely as we do it, he's going to reveal himself to us. In the 17th chapter, we've gotten all the way down now to the 17th chapter. And if you haven't been with us, you can catch up. The materials are available. You can download them for free in their entirety off the internet site. You can go back into Word Supply if you're here in the building. And you can pick up these materials at no charge. And, of course, the Lord told us some time ago, uh, uh, no charge means no excuse. So uh, get it and get caught up and get... You know, if you think, wonder why they're so excited about this. Well, hear everything that we've heard, and you might be as excited as us too. So, 17th chapter. We looked at this last time that I was with you and uh, saw Jesus at prayer. And we know Jesus prayed a lot. He prayed many prayers. And this one, of all of them, was recorded in the most detail. So this must be an extremely important prayer in Jesus' whole life. It shows us so much about his heart and about the will of God. And let's read it and look at some of the things today. These words spoke Jesus, verse 1, and lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. He had a sense of the timing And seasons for things. Can we have that same sense? Can we know? I mean there are numerous times it said prior to this. He knew his hour was not yet come. And now he knows it is come. Can you know when it's time for something? And when it's not time? Yes you can. Not by figuring it out in your head. But just by the inward knowing. Keep reading. As you have given him power over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you. What's eternal life? Knowing him, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Because you can't know him without Jesus. No man comes to the Father except by me, Jesus said. Is it true or false? No man means what? Nobody. There's no such thing as having God without Jesus. Did you hear me now? I know people try to say, well, there are many ways to God and they're just calling God by another name. Uh Uh-uh. No, there are not many ways to God. There's one God. And there's one way to God. Jesus. And I know people don't like it. They say, well, yeah, y'all are just narrow-minded. Yeah, and saved. (laughs) There's a broad way. Open-minded way. That includes everybody and everything. And it leads to destruction. Straight and narrow is the way that leads to life, that leads to salvation. So, uh, no, don't, don't backpedal on things that are this important. Some things are not that big. You can still be saved and not agree about it. But this, this is non-negotiable. This is not optional. You believe and receive Jesus or you are lost. Period. I know people don't like it that way, but that's what the Bible says. I didn't write it. Did you feel that excitement sweep through the place? <laughs> well, this is, we're talking about heaven and hell. This is serious business. Nobody needs to be in confusion. It needs to be clear. I don't, want any, I don't want to see anybody on the other side from hell hollering and saying, why didn't you tell me the truth? We're telling you the truth. It's Jesus 
or hell. How much plainer can I say it? You believe in Jesus in this lifetime. You believe in Jesus, you receive him, he's your Lord, or you are going to hell. Lost. I know people don't like it. I know it's not politically correct, but it is the Bible. It's the Bible. I didn't say it. I didn't come up with this. This is the Bible. I said, well, I don't like that. It's simple. Get saved. Receive Jesus. And you don't have to think about it. (laughs) He said, this is life eternal. What's life eternal? That they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Whom you have sent. Because he's the only way to the Father. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work. Which you gave me to do. Is it possible for us to finish the work. That he's given us to do. Is there a reason why we were born in this time. Do we have something that we can do. Can we know that we did it. You know Paul talked about this. He said I've run a good race. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. He knew he had. Every one of us can have the. The, the sense and the knowing that we finished our race or that we haven't finished it. We're not done. And we need to keep going. Uh, that can help you. You know, Paul, when he was out in uh, the uh, sea and the typhoon was on, they had thrown out the cargo and even the tackling of the ship. All hope that they should be saved was gone. The angel came to him and said, Fear not, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. What he had told him back when he got saved about him standing before the kings and Gentiles and and testifying of Jesus' name. He knows now, I can't die out here. Oh, come on, are y'all seeing that? I ain't going to die out here. I know it looks like it. (laughs) But I'm not drowning out here. I got to preach in Rome. I have a divine appointment. And God's going to get me there. And he did. I said, and he did. Through a ship sinking through floating, through snake bites on the island. Is that right? <laughs> and he still made it through every bit of it. And he stood there and preached in front of those at Rome. Oh, friend. Certain things in life will tell you, well, this is the end. You're not going to go any further. But if you can get in your spirit, no, I'm not done. I got more to do. <laughs> I'm not done. Then if you'll get that and hold on to it, you'll overcome anything. You'll overcome every disease. You'll overcome every obstacle. You'll overcome every lack. Everything. And there's no devil big enough to stop you. There's no reason because nothing's bigger than God. If you or God are in agreement about this thing and together, who's going to trump that? Who's going to overthrow that? Nobody overthrow God. <laughs> he said, I finished the work. What should you do? What should I do? Finish the work. Let's finish what we started. Let's finish what we put. I mean, our life will be over in a flash anyway. No need in leaving early. Leaving prematurely. Hmm? Let's do our job. Let's go the whole way. Let's finish up. I finished the work that you gave me to do. Does that bless you to hear that? I finished the work. Is Jesus the perfect example? Do you want to follow in his steps? And one day you look up and say, I finished the work that he gave me to do. I believe that's also key to when you get out of this life, hearing him say, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Why? You did what he told you to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with your own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men which you gave me out of the world. Thine they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Did they love him? They love the Lord. How do we know? They kept his word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever you have given me are of you. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me. And they have received them. And have known surely that I came out from you. And they have believed that you did send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them which you have given me, for they are thine. The Lord makes a very definite distinction between the world and his. Sometimes people talk about the universal brotherhood of man. 
and the universal fatherhood of God. It's not true. Jesus said to some of the most religious Jews of his day, you are of your father the devil. Didn't he say it? Well, he said, you and I don't have the same father. Didn't he say that? No, we're not all in the same family. There are those that are are not in the family of God. Their father is the God of this world, the devil, Satan. And he said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for these, mine. Keep reading. He said, all mine are thine and thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. Is he supposed to be glorified in us? Yes. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Now the ones he's talking about, they're no longer in the world now. They're out of this world, and they're with him. It's your and my time to be in the world. This is our very brief tour of duty. And it's a hot spot. I said, it's a hot spot. Man, the bullets are whizzing around. Is that right? It's full of devils. It's full of disease and crazy people. But we are not alone. I said, we are not alone. And we are not without armor and protection. And we are not unarmed. How many know we got the armor of the Spirit? And we got the sword of the Spirit. And we've got the authority in the name of Jesus. And we got the greater one inside us. But let me touch on something else we've got that ought to comfort us the rest of the days of our life. We have the keeper keeping us. I said we have the keeper keeping us in this world. Somebody say, I have the keeper. The keeper keeping me in this world. Come on, keep reading. This must be a big deal to Jesus to pray this the way he is. And he repeats it. He said, verse 11, now I am no more in the world. But these are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep through your own name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. What did he pray and ask the Father to do? Keep them. Keep them. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. And those you gave me, I have kept. He keeps saying it, doesn't he? Kept. I kept them. And none of them is lost, but are except the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. You know, people can only be kept if they want to be kept. You can tell in Jesus praying this, he's not happy. That this one was lost. But if you decide another life, another choice to believe something differently, Jesus himself can't keep you. We're looking at it. Are you with me now? Hear people talk about, well, what, Brother Keith, what do you believe about eternal security? You know, once saved, always saved. Well, I believe you can be kept as long as you want to be kept. I believe you'll be secure and kept for eternity as long as you're willing to be. But to say that after you get saved, you lose your will. You can't choose to reject the Lord. You can't. Well, no, you don't. You're not going to lose your will. He was a man that sat under Jesus ministry that lived with him. That ate with him. And he chose to believe and do something else. And Jesus makes him the exception. Says I hadn't lost any of them. I've kept them. Everyone that you gave me. Except him. Right? Why? It was his choice. You can't keep somebody that doesn't want to be kept. But now if you got any smarts at all about you. You want to be kept. 
How about folks in this room in here today? You, you, you want to be kept? Come on, say it out loud. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Keep me. Keep me. I want to be kept. I'm staying with you. I'm going nowhere. Now, long as you want to stay with him, long as you want to be with him, he will keep you in this world and for eternity. He will keep you forever. Somebody say glory to God. Verse 15, skip down to that. Verse 15, I pray not that you should take them out of the world. We got a job to do down here. It's not time for us to go yet. But that you should what? There it is again. That you should what? Keep them from the evil that's in the world. We're in the world. And the world's full of evil. And it's full of destruction. And the world would, oh, the the God of this world, he hates us like no other. Is that right? We're everything he wanted to be. And we're everything he will never be. Oh, he hates us. You talk about somebody that is vengeful and somebody that is hateful and somebody that is envious and jealous. He is the epitome of all those things. And he would chew us up. He would use this world to destroy us and wipe us out. But for the keeper who keeps us night and day. I'm about happy over this. Somebody say, the keeper is keeping me. Mm-mm. Uh, what's he keeping you? He's keeping me from the evil that's in this world. Oh, glory to God. This word keep, if you look it up, it means to watch over. Is he watching over us? It means to guard. It means to preserve. Is he watching over us? Is he guarding us? He's preserving us. He's keeping us. Go to Psalm 121. This is a great psalm that describes the keeper. Psalm 121, I believe it is. And I want to put up on the screen the English Standard Version, the ESV, English Standard Version, Psalm 121. He said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? He's not saying my help's coming from the hills. He just said he was looking up that way. (laughs) And he was thinking, where does my help come from? Verse 2. My help comes from the Lord. Who made the hills. And the heaven. And the earth. Oh, somebody say, my help comes from the Lord. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. <laughs> Woo. Verse 4, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. There's no chance of him missing something. The enemy is going to slip in there and get you and God was busy with something else or he was snoozing and didn't get... Never gonna happen. The one who keeps us is continuously completely aware of everything. Knowing the end and seeing the end from the beginning, he doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't need any downtime. He's God Almighty. And he's watching, scanning, watching, knowing, guarding, keeping. Verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. I told you he was. The the Lord, somebody say, is my, my keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. You know when you need a shade? When the heat's bearing down. 
Oh, come on, come on, come on. The heat, the heat is bearing down on your head. And all at once you feel some cool. And you go, wow, that's like a real nice cloud and breeze has come over me. It's the keeper. The keeper. Verse 6. The sun shall not strike you by day. The moon by night. Verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. What else he'll do? He will keep, keep, keep your life. Next verse. The Lord will Keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He's my keeper today. He kept me coming over here this morning. He keep me going back home in a little bit. He'll keep me tomorrow morning. He'll keep me next year. He keeps me forever. He keeps me. Somebody said the Lord. Is my keeper. Hallelujah. Now this is big on the master's heart. Do you hear him praying this? In this very special of prayers. Recorded for all posterity. He said father. How many believe the father heard this prayer? And this was sincere from the master's heart. He said father. Keep them. Keep them in your name. I have kept them. While I was with them. And not a one of them's lost, except that one. And I'm not praying and asking you to take them out of the world, because I know they need to be here, but I'm asking you, keep them. Keep them. Watch over them. Guard them. Preserve them. Take care of them. From all the evil that's in the world. Do you believe God heard that prayer? You believe he's answering that prayer? He's been answering that prayer for 2,000 years. And he will answer that prayer forever. I'm glad I came this morning. I don't know about you. but Go to the 18th chapter of John. Just right over the next page. Right after this prayer. We're nearing the end of Jesus course remember we just got through reading in the prayer he said I finished the work so it's here and in this very next chapter they came to get him came to get him he's just hours away from the crucifixion in about the fifth verse of John 18 well let me see I should have backed up further verse 3 Judas Having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, he came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Now let me remind you, we already talked about this, we talked about it. Why is Judas doing this? Money. Money. People have tried to make it all kind of other things and make it complicated. It ain't complicated. The Bible tells you why. Money. He betrayed him for money. Jesus therefore knowing all things that should come upon him, he went forth. And he said to them, he didn't run. He didn't hide. They're coming out. They're weapons in the middle of the night. He goes and meets them. Looks them in the eye. Says, who are you looking for? He's my hero. Jesus is my, not a coward, scared bone in him. Mm. Not only that, he knows they're not just going to tie him and take it. He knows the scourging is ahead of him. He knows the crucifixion is ahead. He knows it. And he still steps up and looks him in the eye and says, who are you looking for? He said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am. <laughs> and when he said, I am, Judas, all of them, fell over backwards. Fell out on the ground. Now, I had not seen this until just this week. You know, why did he do that? Some people say, well, you know, show him who he was. The Bible says no. Tells it why he did it. It's right here. They all fell to the ground, verse 6. Verse 7, 
He asked him again. He said, I said, who are you looking for? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I expect they said it a little more tender. <laughs> Laying there on the ground. Now look at verse 8. Jesus answered and said, I told you that I am. If therefore you're looking for me, let these go their way. Verse 9. That the saying might be fulfilled. Now let's start with, what does it mean that? This happened in order that the saying would be fulfilled which he had spoken of them which you gave me have I lost none. He did this taking care of them. You see this in the 13th chapter when he said the end having come and Jesus knowing that his hour was now come said he loved his own. And he loved them to the end. And that's when he laid aside his garments and he washed their feet. What is that showing him? I want to take care of you. And then this happens. There's no reasoning about it. This is why the Bible said it happened. Because if he'd have said let them go in the beginning, they probably wouldn't have. But after this, (laughs) they're not sure they can even take him or not. And so they're doing what he's telling them to do. Aren't they? He said, I said, who are you looking for? They're all laying on the ground going, well, 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 that's Jesus. That's who we came for. He said, well, I told you, I am Jesus. I'm the one. So you let these go. They said, okay. All right. He said, I got this commandment from my father. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down and I got power to take it up again. The father told me this. But friend, can you see the emphasis on taking care of his own? Keep it. Even, I mean, even at his darkest hour, he's about to be mocked and spit on and scourged and crucified. And what's he got on his mind? Keeping them. Keeping them safe. Why is he going to the scourging post? Why is he going to the cross? He doesn't need it. He doesn't need forgiveness. He doesn't need healing. He doesn't need to be protected. He doesn't need prosperity. Why is he doing it? Totally for us. Look in the 13th chapter. Put it up on the screen for us. There, 1334. 1334. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. How are we to love one another? As I have loved you. That you also love one another. Verse 35. Now this tells us. uh, He said by this shall all men know. That you are my disciples. Skip down to the 15th chapter. He says it again. 15 and 12. He said this is my commandment. That you love one another. As I have loved you. How many know this must be exceedingly important for him to keep saying it and keep emphasizing it? Verse uh, 13. This is how we keep the command. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Lay down his life. This is one of the most important parts of our whole series that we've talked about up until now. How do we know that we love him? We keep his commands. When and to whom is he going to reveal and make himself real to? Those that love him and keep his commands. What is the greatest command of all? Love each other. Love each other. As I have loved you. Do you want to keep this command? If this is priority to him, should it be priority to us? But there's a danger that we've heard about it so many times that you think, well, I know that. Yeah, right, right. Love each other. No. Let it get in you and affect tomorrow morning and tomorrow afternoon. There's a practical way of walking this out. This is not just high theories that we hold. How did he do it? He said, love each other like I have loved you. How has he loved us? 
He said, I laid down my life. We know he kept them. And we know even today he ever lives to make intercession for us. Why? To keep us. To keep us. How did he keep them? By a number of things. He kept them by leading them. Didn't he? Led them in the right way. Led them out of trouble. He kept them by teaching them. He kept them by warning them. Didn't he? He kept them by praying for them. He kept them by believing for them. Didn't he? He kept them. And even yet, he keeps us. Doesn't he? He keeps us. Well, what about us? Is that our call? Is that our job as well? In Genesis, the fourth chapter, in the ninth verse, the first murder that occurred, it occurred over an offering. That's why the devil's still like he is about money and offerings and things. Cain killed his brother. And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? Where is he? And what did Cain say? I don't know. That's a lie. He knows exactly where he is. He's right where he killed him. He's laying on the ground. I don't know. And then he goes on to this. I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to keep up with him? Is he my problem? Now friend, this is devilish. Isn't it? And this is, we're supposed to be far, we're supposed to be 180 degrees from this. Am I my brother's keeper? What about Jesus? Is he our keeper? See, the selfish nature of the devil and of the flesh, any of us can yield to it, is to say, hey, it's not my problem. Hmm? I got my own stuff. I got my own problems. I got my own issues. Not my problem. And we live in a world that has become increasingly self-centered. Hmm? You keep to yourself. I keep to myself. You take care of yours. and leave, I'll leave you alone. And... But what if Jesus said, looking at us, it's not my problem. Hmm? I don't need healing. I'm in heaven. I'm in glory with the Father. I don't need joy. I don't need peace. I don't need forgiveness. I've never sinned. Not my problem. He made our problem his problem. Mm. Are you with me, saints? Go to Galatians. Oh, thank you, Master. Galatians 6, 2. What did he say? Bear ye one another's burdens or loads and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens. Isn't that you making their problem your problem? Huh? You making it your business? You taking interest and concern and even responsibility to help do something about it? Back up to Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians chapter 2. What is the law of Christ? This is the New Testament command. Loving one another. As I have loved you. How are we going to keep this command? By helping take care of each other. Helping to keep each other. Are you with me, saints? I believe this is big. I believe this is a significant morning. A significant teaching. A significant word. The Lord's already been dealing with me this week about some things we can possibly implement in the church in the coming months. Toward doing this. You know, not just me. Us. Us doing this. But we can't do it if we don't have it in our heart. Nothing pleases the Father more than for us to take care of each other. That is keeping the love command. In Philippians, the second chapter, I believe it is, verse 3, Philippians 2 and 3, he said, Let nothing 
be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Thank you, Lord. Skip on down to the uh, 19th verse. He said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Look at the Amplified of verse 20. Verse 20 Amplified. He said, I have no one like him, no one of so kindred a spirit. So he's saying, I'm like this. And I don't have anybody that's so much like me, like he is, in this way. What way? Who will be so genuinely interested in your welfare and devoted to your interest? Is that helping take care of them? Keeping them? Should this be our heart? Look at 1 John, the third chapter. I know I'm giving you some extra scripture, but you don't mind, do you? Let this thing be established in you. This is not man's idea. This is the word. This is his word. How many think this is right up at the top of what's important to God? Huh? Right at the top. Well, then where should it be in our life? Right at the top. Should we think about it in the morning? Every morning we wake up. All through the day. When we go to bed, should it be priority, priority, priority? It's so easy to focus on yourself. Isn't it? Just go through your day. I need this. I need that. I want this. I want that. I don't have this. I don't have that. Looking for somebody to help you. But if you're doing that, you're not keeping the love command. Which means you don't really love the Lord like you should. Did you hear me? Because if you love him, tell me what will you do? If you love him, you'll do what he told you to do. What did he tell you and I to do above everything? Love each other just like I have loved you. How did he love us? He laid down his life for us so we would be kept. Can you see it? So we would be watched over. So we would be guarded. We would be protected. We'd be kept. He made our problem his problem. Didn't he? I mean to the point, he took it on himself, didn't he? The sin that was on us, he took it on himself. He bore our sicknesses, he carried our pains, the chastisement of our peace. He made our problem his problem. And he took it. And he took care of it. And he got it off of us. Glory to God. Now look at this, 1 John 3. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master, for loving us. 1 John 3 and 16. He said, hereby perceive we the love of God. This is how you see and understand the love of God. How? Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to do what? Lay down our lives for The brethren, whoso has this world's good and sees his brother, his brother, have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, not just in talk, but in deed, action, and in truth. And hereby, by this, we'll know that we're of the truth and assure our hearts before him. Friend, this is the thing that must fill our lives. We must get up in the morning thinking about it. We must go to bed thinking about it. What? Lord, use me to help keep my brother. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. That doesn't mean now that you're supposed to become nosy. Ask a bunch of personal questions that's none of your business. See, these folk, these busybodies, they want to know just because they want to know. They have no intention of helping. 
They want to know all the details so they can go talk it. And they're not going to help with anything. That's despicable. We're not talking about that. You don't have to pry into people's lives. All you got to do is be open and pay attention. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open. Be willing. I'm telling you, if you're willing, the Lord's going to use you. He's going to use you. You'll be at the right place at the right time. You'll hear things and find out things. And you'll have the resources. Come on now. You'll have the right word in season. You'll have the faith in your heart. You'll have the love in your soul. You'll have the wisdom that'll come up in your mind to help them. You'll have the money in your hand. Come on, are you listening? What to do? To take a burden off of a brother. To bring some shade over somebody that's sweltering under the heat and under the pressure. Come on. To bring some help. Help so that your brother, your sister is kept. What do you mean? They don't lose their health. They keep it. They don't lose their sanity. They keep it. Come on. They don't lose their marriage. They keep it. They don't lose their kids. They keep them. They don't lose their salvation. Oh, come on. They don't lose. They don't lose. They are kept. Kept. God's the keeper. But he uses us. I said he uses us. Part of how he keeps us all is through us all. He uses us. He meets needs through us. He touches through us. He encourages and strengthens and keeps through us. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. How do we keep this love command? This command of commands? Jesus laid down his life. That's how he did it. In order for what? To keep us. To save us and to keep us. What do we do? Well, see, you can hold on to your life. And you can live just for yourself. You can spend all your time thinking about you. And working for you. Working for yours. Me and my wife and my kids and my stuff. You can just be totally. That's just like sinners do. Or even though it's yours. And you have a right to it. You can lay it down. Come on now. You can set it aside and say, yeah, that's my time and that's my money, but I'm going to give it to you because you need it right now. And not just, you know, you know, why, well, oh, I'm going to lay my life down for you. That's a bunch of phony junk. Paul said it like this. He said, I will very gladly. Did you hear those two words? I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Not just do it, but very gladly do it. Every hero themed story, movie, book in history is about this. The guy that runs into the enemy with guns blazing. Why? So his buddies will make it out. Right? He didn't go in there crying and feeling sorry for himself. It'd be a little weakling. He knows he's losing his, but he feels good about it because he's saving his buddies. The guy that crashes his spaceship into the aliens, whatever it might be, so that he saves the earth. No matter what I'm talking about. What? Can you have that? Is that what Jesus did? I said, is that what Jesus did? He came. He laid down his life. He took our place. It wasn't his problem, but he made it his problem. He took it all on himself and he paid for it and he saved us. Not only did he save us, he's been keeping us ever since. Now, you know, if somebody does something nice for you, helps you out when you're in trouble, it blesses you. But you don't talk about what really blesses you if they do it for your kids. That's a whole other category there. Huh? Am I right? I mean, you know, they were there for your baby. 
When they were hurting and they were down, they did something, saved your child's life, saved your child from going to jail, saved your child from being maimed or being hurt in a terrible way. How many know they got a friend for life in you? Why? Because it means much more to you that they did it for your child even than they did it for you. You know why you're that way? Because the father's that way. All true parenthood comes from him. He's that way. And there is nothing that touches him or that means more to him than you being there for one of his kids. Did you hear me? Being there when they need you, when they need something. He doesn't need money, but they need money. He's not depressed, but they might be. And if he can use you and you can be their shade and shadow in the heat, you can be their comfort in the storm. It touches him in such a way that he will manifest himself to you. He will reveal and make himself real to you. He said it. This is our text. Come full circle. Can you see it? Oh, somebody say glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Will you volunteer afresh and anew today and say, here am I, Lord. Send me, use me, make me a blessing to your children, my brothers and my sisters. Help me to be in the right place at the right time. Stand up right now as a testimony. Stand up right now as a commitment. And we'll say it out loud before the Lord. Say it out loud. Just close your eyes and lift up your hand. Say, Father God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Oh, what you've done for me. In Jesus. He made my problems. His problems. And he took care of them. And he took it off of me. I am forever thankful. He laid down his life. For me. You said. Since he did this for me. I ought to do this. For my brother. And I say I'm willing. And I'm glad to do it. I want to do it. I'm glad to do it. I say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Send me. Cause me to find out what I need to know to help people. Direct and order my steps so that I'm at the right place at the right time. Give me the right words to say. The right things to do. Let your anointing be on me. To comfort. To strengthen. To edify. Others. Put abundant resources. In my hand. That you can use me. To keep my brother. To keep my sister. To your glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.